all had something we wanted to be when we were little. For some, it was a doctor, others a fireman, maybe a policeman, singer, dancer, beautician. The list could go on forever. What's really interesting, though, is that these desires as a little kid do shape us and our careers we eventually end up in. Now you might be thinking, okay, Amanda, how does wanting to be a designer when I was younger equate to being in marketing? Well, I've got the research done and have brought you several wonderful guests who talk about how their childhood dream career helped them find their current job or how it helped them identify a core value in themselves they didn't know was there before. So buckle in, listen up, and put on your imagination hats as we take you back into the mind of innocent adolescence. So when I was really little, whenever anyone asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would usually say that I wanted to own an amusement park. Okay, everyone. This is Nathan. All right. As he just said, his dream was to own an amusement park. Build them, yes, but also just build the entire amusement park and deal with the runnings and day-to-day logistics of it all. Sometimes I would say I wanted to design roller coasters, but usually it was that I wanted to actually own a whole park. Um, looking back on it, that's probably because one of the first games that I ever had uh, was was on a computer. I didn't have a, a game console till later, and and the game that I played most often was called Roller Coaster Tycoon. And in that game, you could do all aspects. You could run the park, you could set prices for everything, but you could also design the rides. You could place scenery. You'd have to handle the logistics of you know how people were going to get around transport rides you know, things like that. So it was really a combination of pretty much everything that I've become passionate about now. Business, physics, logistics, optimization, art, design. Part of the game was designing the roller coasters. And so I ended up taking physics pretty early in my high school career. Um, and I really enjoyed it and moved on to AP Physics the next year. And and so that sort of ended up being the course I wanted to go as far as uh, looking at college and what I was going to major in. I quickly found out that physics has moved on from the, the simple calculations needed for a roller coaster like uh, friction and potential energy and all that. It's, it's, it's gone to all this, you know, uh, nuclear and subatomic stuff that like, okay, once I got to college, I'm like... <laughs> Maybe this isn't exactly what I wanted to do. If I'd been thinking, I probably should have gone with engineering rather than physics, but... Nathan soon realized that computer science was more his speed. He still followed through with the physics major, but knew he didn't want to pursue it as a profession anymore afterwards. While he still reminisces about his roller coaster building days, he's been able to still scratch that problem-solving crave through business and computer science. As you can guess... The one question I asked each person I interviewed was, what did you want to be when you grew up? The answers you will hear are all wildly different, with the exception of a common theme of inspiration. Some were inspired by what they studied, others by the life they wanted, but most were inspired by the people around them. And Ben was indeed inspired by a person. So my answer to that question would be when I was in kindergarten, our teacher asked us to dress up as what we would want to be when we grew up. And for me, I decided to dress up as a rock star. I don't have much singing ability nor much (laughs) rhythm in general, but I think uh, when I was growing up, my dad was a great singer. He was a musician, had traveled a little bit. 
just when I when he was in between high school and college. And so for me, looking at him and kind of aspiring to be him when I was in kindergarten, that's what it was. And even then, my parents were like, oh, my goodness, what is what is he wanting to do with his life? And I was like, my mom was just like, he's literally just trying to emulate you in terms of my dad and stuff like that. So I, Rockstar was what I wanted to be when I grew up, at least at a young age. Kind of slowly grew into what actually my mom did was wanting to be a pharmacist for a little period of time when I was in high school. And then as I got to college, I realized neither of those were, were where my talents lie, lay, I guess. And so I ended up kind of jumping into our fellowship. So now that you're an adult, um, what do you want to be when you grow up? Holy cow. Okay, that's a loaded question. I think, oh man. I think for me, I don't know if I have like any like, what do I want to be when I grow up? But I think what I have seen through watching my dad grow his own company and through the passion that the Or Fellowship has gained for me, I think having an or starting my own company at some point in time, I think would be awesome. Having a team of people that I'm close to come up, create an, a, an idea or something we're all passionate about and run towards it, build something and hopefully have some fun and success along the way. I think that would be my ultimate goal and something I would want to do when I grow up. But my answer would always be, I want to be a CEO, I want to be a backup singer, and I want to be a mom. And I think looking at those three now, like it's, they're very ironic because the CEO is usually the one in charge, running a company, and then a backup singer. You never see those people. They're not the ones in charge. It's just super funny. This is Carly. Her aspirations of becoming a CEO comes from seeing her mother be a successful businesswoman. She was the one that worked in our family. My dad was a stay-at-home dad. And so I just saw a, you know, a powerful woman in the businesswoman in the house, and I really admired her. As we grow older, our perspectives and desires change. For Carly, this was no different, and it has evolved at each stage of her life. As I got a little older, I started like invention lists. I saw so many different problems to solve. And so I just started a list that started about middle school. Most of those looking back are really comical and funny. Like one of them was goldfish. They always made my mouth very dry when I would eat them. And so an idea was to fill goldfish with liquid cheese. Cause then that would, in my mind, that would balance out the dryness. So those were what my middle school list comprised of is just silly things like that. But I think it's less of like what your idea is and more of the the mindset behind it. Um, so that's more of what I've explored. Today, I've been looking into like, is that actually what I want to do? Do I want to start my own business? I don't really have an answer for you yet. I still have ideas. Honestly, with like the speakers and networking that I've done, I've been more listening to not how they started their businesses, but are they happy? Do they enjoy what they do? Um, what is their family like life like? And I'm I'm thinking through that and to make sure if that's actually something I want to pursue. I think if I don't end up pursuing like a CEO or leadership type role, I think I still will be looking for jobs that fill those attributes a little bit. What I mean by that is like finding a role where maybe I can be a manager and lead a group because one of my strengths is, you know, to, to find the unique abilities in each person and make that group productive. And then I love to create. And I think that's where that, that entrepreneur mindset comes from. But if I don't become an entrepreneur, I do want to find a job that I can create something and change and challenge this, the status quo. Carly's dreams were inspired by parents and her own ideals. But for others, 
events, and curiosity are at the core of their choices. I remember one of the first times that I was like, kind of, like, obviously, I think in first grade kindergarten, you have those moments where they're like, what do you want to be? And everybody's pretty stereotypical of like, the president of the United States. And obviously, that's great and wonderful. But I remember kind of the first thing that I ever like truly became passionate about was weather. This is Joe. And the event that really sparked his interest in weather was Hurricane Katrina. Nature has so much power and we kind of forget that. I remember going to school every day and then coming home and watching the Weather Channel and just watching the storm be created over the Gulf of Mexico and then watching it make landfall in New Orleans and just seeing all the aftermath of that. And so that kind of like got me intrigued about the storm story side. My entire childhood, I also watched just the local news every single morning before school. That's what my parents had on. So I watched it and I just kind of had fascination every time the meteorologist would speak about that ability just to kind of predict almost the future. And obviously the meteorologist isn't going to predict fully the future. To me, it was knowledge and like forecasting. And um, I think that's also kind of where it stems into what I get to do and what I've found interesting uh, for a career is being more on a data analyst side where you can forecast out whether if we're not talking about like snowstorms, but we're talking about um, your finances or you're talking about your optimization and capacity and all that. A lot of that has flowed into one another. So it's been interesting on that regard as I've kind of just thought about it right now. <laughs> for some people, what they want to be when they grow up influences what they do and what they study study. Only in the end to be posed with the question of, is it something they actually want to pursue anymore? This is Lexi. Yeah. And this was her reality. At my kindergarten graduation, when I was five, we all went around and told people that we wanted to, what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I said, with confidence, a singer. And that changed briefly in second grade when I wanted to be a professional figure skater. But then it quickly changed back to singer. Her dad was a musician, a drummer, actually. So there wasn't any reservation or skeptical looks from her parents when she said she wanted to pursue the arts. I just like to sing. I did it all the time. And if my dad was a drummer for his for his profession, why couldn't I be a singer? She said she pursued this passion through high school and eventually through college. But after college, that's where it stopped. It was my first opera when I was nine years old. It was a Wagner opera. It was four and a half hours long, and I didn't go on until the very end. <laughs> but I really loved that environment, and so I still was involved with it in middle school and in high school. And by that time, I was too old to be in the children's chorus parts, but I was too young to actually be you know, a singing part in the production or a part of the adult chorus. Uh, so I did some non-speaking, non-singing roles just to be a part of that. And I actually went to a performing arts high school in Chicago for one year. When I was there, I went to school from 8 to 5 p.m. and I took 11 classes. It was a lot. <laughs> and it just, the curriculum hadn't been built out enough to where that amount of time spent on everything was beneficial. So I transferred to a different school in my neighborhood and I still pursued singing outside of that. So I took voice lessons every week and I was able to actually like leave school early sometimes and, and go and do those, those operas. It was never really a question of what I was going to go to college for. I pretty much always knew that I wanted to pursue music. And what they don't tell you when you are looking to go to music school is all of the problems that are in the industry. And so 
I was pretty much a self-taught musician for a long time. I, I could read music, but I couldn't couldn't read it super well. I never really practiced sight singing. When I got to my first class when I was a freshman, I also had more classes than the average student again. What they didn't tell me when I went into my musicianship one class was how crazy it is to be able to listen to music and then transcribe it into music notation. I thought that was sorcery. I still kind of think that's sorcery. But I was so far behind a lot of people, which is crazy because I went to school in Chicago. I went to a performing arts high school. I was just so far behind of the game. And the further I got into it, the less I enjoyed learning about music and its history and how it works together. It just wasn't really my thing. And I, I realized when I was you know, halfway through freshman year, I called up my mom and I said, Mom, I need to drop the music school. I, I think I'm going to fail my classes. Um, and it wasn't that I wasn't putting time into anything. It's just I didn't like learning about it. It didn't jive with me. It was a great hobby <laughs> for a really long time. But there were so many other things that went into that too. So music is just changing so much. And I really liked singing you know, the typical opera styles of like Mozart and Puccini and classical music today doesn't necessarily sound like that. And it's really, in my personal opinion, unnecessarily complicated and not very pleasing to the ear, especially somebody who doesn't like classical music. And I didn't want to compromise and do that to get to where I wanted to go because I still had interests in other things. So obviously, music is still a huge part of your family, probably your relationship with your dad. I know you're close with your dad. So in what ways have you still been able to pursue your love of music and singing um, without actually going the professional route? And are you pleased that you have not gone the professional route? Yeah, it's funny that you bring up my dad because he was actually somebody that I was really nervous to tell that I didn't want to pursue singing because I didn't want to disappoint him because he had helped me put in so many hours but ultimately he was really understanding about it. And it's, it's weird now because it is more of an outlet for me of this is what I do when I need to take time to myself. And it's become a lot more of this, you know, personal private thing for me that I don't share with other people like I used to when I was in school and I, and I had to sing in front of other people all the time. And so it's kind of weird because I, I feel like I've taken it back for myself rather than sharing it with the world. Like, music school teaches you to do. Um, and, and I think that's okay. And, and maybe eventually I'll get to that point where I, I want to share it with everybody, but I share it with my family. You know, I write some, some of my own stuff. Sometimes I like to sing in front of my friends. I think eventually when, you know, I have more time, maybe some after it were to be able to do that more, as long as I start getting comfortable with it, but I definitely needed some time off after school. And I'm, I am glad that I didn't pursue it professionally. Um, most people pretty much you have to go to grad school for for music and I did not want to do that. <laughs> I like being in business and in marketing I'm still able to be creative, which I think is why it's such a good fit for me. It's funny too. I I took the strength finders recently. One of my strengths was discipline and as I've been talking about it with other people who are really interested in strength finder, they're like, "Wow, discipline is really interesting, especially in marketing and how it works with your other strengths." And I always say I think that comes from my music background. So it, it has given me a lot. And I think it really does help me in marketing. It's funny because a lot of musical people are, are kind of technical. You'll see a lot of musicians in, in software development. And I think I got the other chunk of that because I'm definitely not a software developer. I think that I got really lucky um, that what I do really aligns with with my interests and what I like. And 
and that I found marketing to be as creative that for me as music was, it still didn't completely replace it, right? But, you know, five-year-old me wanted to grow up and be a singer. And I still graduated college with a music degree in singing. So I did grow up to be a singer in some sort of way, just, just not the way that I anticipated. Next in queue, we have Emily, who also wanted to pursue the arts when she was younger. But instead of singing, it was dancing. Emily did not go on to pursue the dancing arts, and instead she went on to study engineering, which she is very thankful that she did. However, in reflecting about what she wanted to be when she grew up, she realizes now that one thing she values is having the free time to pursue those hobbies that she really loves. I will say, I, working at my company now, I like that they support your passions and you have time. They like really love a work-life balance so I can pursue those passions outside of work. And a lot of my coworkers are the same. So I think that we're not trying to sell conga, but I think that that's something that I've looked at for jobs that I didn't really think about before. That you can also, you can love your job, but you can also be supported in a way or encouraged to have other hobbies and passions of yours outside of work. When I was younger, I wanted to be a mortician. Say hello to Kyle. Of all the people I interviewed for this episode, Kyle's answer was by far the most fascinating, as I'm sure you can agree. This was a little bit informed, or like I had a, a little bit of exposure to it growing up. Just some of my family friends were in the funeral business, and then my neighbor for, for a long time growing up ran his own funeral home. And so I was just exposed to it. So it wasn't ever like... Just something that you just I like fell into. It was it's like kind of was always around. I just liked it. It was just an interesting concept. What ultimately made you not pursue being a mortician? What made you say, you know what? No, this isn't for me. There was a, an opportunity to shadow a bit, and and also just through research of reading about things that you actually have to do. And it's it's most mostly the the tactical part of the job of preparing the bodies for funerals or cremation. And it, it's a job that has to be done. But when I was able to shadow just a little bit, it was just way too much for me. And it was it, like, at the time, I don't think I was able to separate the idea of that that person was once living and now they're not. And that was just something very difficult for me to grasp that, that young. When I asked him why he was so fascinated in being a mortician, he kind of chuckled, paused, and admitted it was partly because it was so different from anything else. People joke about him saying that Kyle just likes to do the opposite and go against the grain. I mean, he has an Android phone just because it's different from everyone else. And what's a very unorthodox career choice? Preparing bodies for burial. But being different wasn't the only reason he was interested in pursuing the profession. So my family friends... Um... Like, obviously, we weren't ever hanging out with them while, while they were working. Most of my interactions were of them outside of work. And just like any other human, they have their own lives outside of their jobs. And that just kind of helped paint the picture that they are human and they're not just like these stone cold, unfeeling robots. Like later on, once I was researching more and more, I was able to put the pieces together. These are normal people that like deal with pretty emotional times, but I, I think they take comfort in the fact that they are helping people through one of the toughest times in their lives. And that for some reason has just resonated with me and stuck, stuck around. You mentioned the caretaking aspect of things a lot. Um, and it sounds like something that is still very much a part of you. So you're obviously not taking care of families um, who have lost a loved one or even taking care of the bodies of that loved one. What are ways that you still use that caretaking, I don't know, that value still in your life? 
some, yeah, something that I, I do try and just emulate every day is knowing that people can be going through a hard time. Like when you lose a family member or a friend, it's, I think we do a good job as like a society of knowing that like, that's, that's a really tough thing to go through. And we are there for people when that happens, but I've taken that and kind of expanded upon that. And like, we don't always know when people are going through a tough time in their lives, their personal lives or something like that. So I think just always being aware of that being a possibility and always being able or, and willing to help people, even if they're not vocalizing that they need help. See, I told you everyone would be wildly different. But no matter what each person wanted to be when they grew up, they all carried a piece of their childhood with them into adulthood, either directly or indirectly. In listening to everyone share their stories, I love to hear their own moment of realization. In hosting this podcast, I have gotten to bear witness to so many stories of courage, inspiration, and honesty. When I was little, I wanted to be an author. While my dream is no longer to publish a book, I know that I want to be a storyteller for the rest of my life. And so I ask you, listener, what do you want to be when you grow up? Thank you.